Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Today, I am joined by Michael Unbroken. Now, from homeless to hero with an ACE score of 10, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute, Michael Unbroken found his way from stuck, hurt, and broken to being the hero of his own story. Today, Michael has coached thousands of trauma warriors around the world to learn to love themselves, get unstuck, and to be unbroken. Michael is the author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken, and is a coach, mentor, and educator for adult survivors of child abuse. Michael spends his time helping other survivors get out of the vortex to become the hero of their story. Michael hosts the Think Unbroken podcast, teaches at Think Unbroken Academy, and is on a mission to end generational trauma in his lifetime through education and information. So Michael, I want to first of all, welcome you to the show and start off by saying thank you for the work that you are doing in the world. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. This is so important. And I don't think it gets really spoken about enough. So I have a lot of questions. But let's start off. I know you have a burnout story. So share with us, if you would, what your experience with burnout has been. And then we'll we'll dive into the other stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think like a lot of people who are type A overachievers um, or learn to develop that identity, like burnout just becomes a normative function of trying to push yourself into what's next. And, and, and you know, for me, I think one area where it hit the hardest where it was right in this window of massive rock bottom was when I was like 26. Uh, I'm running a company. I am working a corporate job, I'm running a side hustle. My life is a freaking disaster because I haven't yet realized that I'm a codependent. Yes, man. Um, and so I was just doing everything all the time for everybody but me. Uh, and then that led down this path of like, I'm having freaking five panic attacks a day and I can't seem to function and I have massive brain fog and and it got to the point where I was like, I just have to disappear from the world for like three months. And um, that took its own tolls. And so, you know, I, I think and I look back at those moments and I'm always trying to mitigate that risk by taking action early when I feel like that is coming. And there's a part of me also that argues that burnout means that you're doing some shit that you don't want to be doing. And so mm. it's been this really interesting journey of getting clarification and clarity in my life. 
and asking myself, like, do I actually want to be doing the thing that is happening in my life and trying to move away from that as much as humanly possible if it's not in alignment with my mission, vision, and values? So much to unpack there. (laughs) Okay, so you described trying to push yourself into the what's next and then realizing these are things you actually don't want to be doing. And that is what led you to burning out. So essentially kind of being out of your own values, not being aligned. That was your version of burnout. Yeah, exactly. The framework with it, I would say, is like, are you codependent, right? That's a a really important thing that in this burnout conversation, which is very common right now, especially amongst entrepreneurs and executives, leaders, humans in general, because we're doing 8 million things all the time. It's like, are you doing them for you or are you doing them for them? And and that was the the crux of everything for me and the the massive shift and change that happened in my life. I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm not doing this for me. And and so I think there's an intersection there that is not discussed enough around codependency. Okay. So for people who are listening to this who may not be familiar with the term, would you start off by just really translating this into English? What does it mean to be codependent? Well, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, you go look at any type of addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, there's always that thing that you're willing to do. And for many people, I'll use myself as point of reference, codependency was leveraging other people's opinions of me to create validation in my own life. Mm. And so I would do literally fucking anything for you to like me. Like, and I mean that. And that's because if you didn't like me, that means I had no value in the world. And so you liking me meant like I would come to shit that I don't want to do. I would give myself over to you in any capacity. Like, oh, you, you were kind to me one time. Great. That means that I will do anything for you at any time. And and that's a learned behavior, especially if you grow up in a traumatic household where yes. you have no identity and you have no space to be you, where you're vying for the attention of other people constantly to validate your existence while simultaneously being told you don't matter. And so now you're in this weird juxtaposition and dichotomy of the human experience as an adult where you're constantly putting yourself at the frozen feet of other people so that for five seconds you go, oh, they like me. Thank God. I'm really glad I'm exhausted and I showed up to that party, even though I know I need to be in bed right now. Right. So you stop listening to yourself because you're still trying to feel like you matter in the world and you've been conditioned to believe that you don't. So you are focusing externally rather than internally. And you do that because you believe that if you create an external validation, that somehow it will bring you fulfillment and self-love. And it doesn't. And that's stupid. Okay. And with that, in this show, this is what we call one of the traits of a pleaser or a, a or a feeler. Our, we have thinkers, feelers, and doers as part of the burnout code. And the feelers are essentially the people that you're describing. And I want to just take a moment because... I hear what you're saying, which is that it's quote unquote stupid, but I also want to go back to what you said earlier to really validate why we do this, because it's not about judging the behavior, but it's more about uh, validating why we do it. And you're, you're basically saying like you have been conditioned to believe that you don't matter and that you need to focus on pleasing other people. So there's a really good reason why you're doing it. But from your experience, Michael, You've also been able to kind of unlearn that. You've been able to like zoom out and look at what you're doing and saying, this doesn't work because I'm fried now and this doesn't actually get me what I essentially want, which is to feel loved and validated. 
So you were able to kind of see it from another angle. And now you're here to share that message with other people who are still in that codependency, people pleasing sort of behavior. Yeah. And, and stupid is a nomenclature, not based in judgment, but instead just because it felt like the appropriate word to use in the moment. Like, because like, I'm like, that's stupid. Like, why would you do that? Sure, sure. Um, you know, so let's be very, very clear about that. And, and look, ultimately, I think that as individuals, as humans, as a species, we are always going to be in parameters of learning. Here's what's really interesting, especially if you grow up in westernized societies, you are told since birth, like, give everything to other people all the time, right? Yeah. All, you know, especially I'm not a woman, uh, I cannot speak to being a woman, but I know that women are told, always make sure that you give everybody all the things except for for yourself. And that to me is again, where I will create the frame stupid. I go, it's nonsensical because how do you serve other people if you can't serve yourself? And so sitting in the truth and identifying those behavioral patterns is ultimately the cornerstone to creating change in your life because you cannot change what you cannot measure. And most people actually, and I think you would probably agree with this, don't even realize that they're doing it. They're like, I'm tired all the time. Yeah. I got, I got kids soccer. I'm working this. I'm doing the bake sale. I, I had to go over to uh, this person's birthday party. I don't even really like them, but I went anyway because I'm going to feel bad that they don't, you know. And, and so you're in your head about all these things all the time. And, and ultimately, like if I were to give anyone like a tool to be able to navigate this as a former and still trying not to be a practicing codependent is just to say no. And if you can leverage the truth that saying no is acceptable, applicable, and okay, you'll find freedom. But you have to remove the shame and the guilt associated with the idea that you're allowed to put yourself first, where so many people are thinking in their head an untrue reality. If I don't go to Sharon's thing, she's going to be mad at me. Where it's like, there's 37 other people there. She'll be like, oh, they didn't come. Cool. Anyway, let me entertain everyone else. And and I think that's one of the really difficult aspects of growing up in the world, the time, and the society that we live in. We're told, do everything all the time so that you can go and create this masterful, beautiful life. And I'm like, eh, maybe what you need to do is cancel all your plans, sit in the bathtub, and read a book, right? But that's trying to create a clarity around, you know, is it self-care and do you really need it or are you being avoidant? And now we're talking a whole nother conversation. Yeah, and so I think what you're saying is that we have to, coming back to one one of the things you're just saying along the way is we have to remove the shame and the guilt. And I think part of the reason that we stay stuck in this vicious cycle is because we're driven by those emotions. So when we think about saying no, or when we actually say no, we then feel guilty and that doesn't sit well with us. And so I like to take it even one step further and say, there is a belief that you hold that creates the guilt. And that has to change in order for you not to feel guilty. Right. And that belief is something along the lines of, I have to take care of everyone else, or I should do what other people ask of me. I am here to serve. And it's, you know, like always putting it, always putting the emphasis on other people. That has to change. And I think when you can give yourself the same space that you create for everybody else, when you say to yourself, actually, I matter. Yes, that person matters. And yes, everybody matters. But I also matter. And so I need to take care of myself. And then I can show up and do the things that will perhaps, you know, feed into what other people are asking of me, but only if it serves me and not to be 
driven by that feeling of guilt. And I will add to that something that may sound controversial. Hear me out. Just sit with me for a second. You matter more than them. Yes. Yes. You do. Yes. Actually, I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay. So I, I just did a keynote on resentment. And one of the things I was saying is, obviously, we become resentful for a whole slew of different reasons. But I was giving this one example. And I was like, if you are doing all this stuff, and you are not taking care of yourself, because you're waiting for someone else to take care of you, and they don't, that's resentment. And they're probably not going to not even they're not they're not not. and they're not intentionally going out of their way not to but it's like they have their own shit they have their own lives all right so i believe that everyone has all the love languages right but i I think part of what we don't talk about enough is reciprocation as human beings we want to meet people with equal value but if you're doing things for the sake of other people validating you that will never ever come to pass because there's not enough words of affirmation and gifts and quality time for the efforts that you believe that you deserve in reciprocation for that to create balance and equilibrium. And so I think you're fucking spot on. This is such a deep message that I really hope people listen carefully to this because this is game changing. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's well, if you want to pay attention. So, you know, you you're actually like a lived example of this. So you went from one extreme to now being 180 degrees on the other side of this. So for people who are where you used to be, tell them what happens when you do this 180. Where are you now? What does life look like for Michael? Yeah, I love my life. Like I literally love my every fucking second of my life I love. Like good times, the bad times, the indifferent times, the boring times, the fun times, all of it, right? And it's just very simply because I do what I want when I want to do it. All right. I believe this to the core of my being. Like as much as I know the sun will rise tomorrow, I believe this. The cornerstone to healing, to growth, to development, to the reason why we listen to podcasts like this and get coached by people like you and all of these things is so we can get to this place. Healing is the cornerstone of only ever doing what you want to do and never doing what you don't want to do contextually, you got to do shit you don't want to do. You got to change the baby's diaper. Fine, whatever, right? But like, realistically, it's about the no's and the yeses. And so when I look at my life, I filter every single decision I ever make through my value systems, through my morals, through my personal boundaries. And every, like this podcast coming here with you was a filter through the mechanism of, is this in alignment with who I am as a human being? Will it bring value to people? And is it something that I believe that I will be emotionally entrenched in to the point that I believe that only can I learn, but I can leave something that will help the world become a better place? If the answer is no to any of those three questions, I will not do this. And so I get to this place of being able to leverage my identity of a person who puts myself first over everyone because I matter more than you in my bubble, not in the scheme of things. I'm not self-important. I don't think I'm fucking Gandhi. Like, I don't believe that somehow I'm more important than the next person. But in my own in my own body, this organism that I am in, I am the most important thing on planet Earth. And when I understood that, not in a selfish or self-righteous way, but in a self-care way, from the things that I put into my brain, to the food that I eat, to the relationships that I have, to Mm. the people in my community, to the, the steps that I take in the gym, to the career that I've pursued, it's all about me. 
And people have to recognize like that is okay. It is okay. It is not selfish to be you. It is more than okay. We're actually saying it's recommended. I, I fucking highly recommend it. I guarantee it'll change your life. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is you have to value yourself. And then that becomes the filter through which you make every decision about every aspect of your life, as you mentioned, from the Do food that you eat to the people that you surround yourself with. Through a values system, right? Do you have these cornerstone and pillar words that help you navigate the world, right? What do you stand for? It's the old adage. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so the, the very first thing I teach people when I coach them or when we go into group or one-on-one -on -one is like, you need to be able to create this foundation of understanding these pivotal and key words that you can filter all the things in life through based on the person is that you believe that you are and the person that you believe that you are capable of becoming. And so when you're able to do that effectively, what happens is now it's the top of the funnel. Everything drops in the funnel. It has to hit every one of these values. Then it has to funnel into your value, into your boundaries. And then it has to funnel into your morality. And if all of those things are in sync, now you know a truth. You're never making the wrong decision. And that's a really interesting place to get to because it's always about like sitting within yourself and going, is this me? So what I loved about what you said is that you've got these like three different filters, which, you know, if we're going to make decisions based on this criteria, we have to first be aware of what our values are. So I got to imagine that when you're coaching people, you sometimes just have to start there of like, what is it that you value? Because people are so the feelers, right? The people pleasers, they are so used to focusing on other people. And I've had people like this too, that when you ask them, well, what's important to you? Or what do you like? Or what do you value? They're like, I don't even know. I don't even know who I am. Right. So starting there, then, you know, you talked about second layer is boundaries. There's so many people that don't have boundaries, or don't even know how to create them, because they were never taught. It was never modeled for them. The expectation, as you said, was to always bend over backwards and do everything for everybody. So it's like, what what exactly does this even look like? Right? So that would be like a second step. And then morality, what I love about that is a third layer is that we just talked about how when you don't take care of everybody else, you feel guilty. And so this kind of reshuffles what your rules are for living. And if you can get aligned with this idea of like, it's actually more than okay for you to not come in and do everything for everyone just because they asked, then you no longer have to feel guilty about it. I love the way that you reiterate everything into a practical and strategical way, because I know sometimes I can get really high level about this. I was having a conversation with a friend at dinner the other night, and the waiter came up to us and he's like, I'm going to read you guys the specials. I'm like, cool, whatever. And my friend asked a question that made me ask the waiter to walk away from us for a moment. He said, what do you recommend I should have? Mm -hmm. And I said, hold on, can you come back in a moment, please? I need to ask my friend a question. And I asked him, why are you leveraging other people's opinions about who it is that you are to make decisions in your life? And when we, something as simple as going to the restaurant, this waiter, of course, we want recommend, like, what's good here? Like, what are the cornerstones? Why is the chef world renowned, right? What is the best wine pairing from the sommelier? Sure, of course. But to ask someone, what should I eat? Like, that's insane to me. Because how could they know? 
They don't know where you're at. They don't know the day you've had. They don't know maybe if you hate fish or you love steak, right? And so when you can step into this place of ultimately what this is, is decision-making. Can you trust yourself enough to make a decision without having to leverage other people's opinions when they don't have enough data and there's too many variables for an actionable and correct hypothesis to take place? It just doesn't, like it did not compute for me. And so I yeah. think like you, you have to get to this place where you're willing to make choices for yourself, knowing that you could be right or you could be wrong. When you're leveraging other people's opinions, you don't know. So I'm glad that you brought it to self-trust. And I know that some people believe that trusting yourself is foolish and naive and that it is better to rely on other people for guidance and direction because you can't possibly know everything. What would you say to that? Let me let me ask you, are you married? Yes. Okay. How long have you been married? I've lost counts. <laughs> <laughs> I put you on the spot, which is fair, but let, let's say long enough that we can surmise one thing. I mean, we I've probably... been with my husband for 20 years, but we haven't been married the whole okay, time. Okay. Okay. So perfect. Perfect. 20 years. I would guess you probably know 4% of who he is and he knows 5% of who you are, maybe on the, on the big side of the spectrum. Why? We have 60,000 thoughts a day on average. 60, you're getting seven if you're lucky, right? And, and we're communicating with people back and forth and back and forth. And we're trying to leverage their understanding of the world, but we don't walk in their shoes. We don't consume the same content they do. We don't process ideas and, and memories in the same way. We find ourselves in these experiences of being a human in which we're trying to evaluate what's happening. And when you do that through the scope of another person, there's nothing comparable to this. Think about this for a moment. How many times in your life have you ever said this sentence? I knew I should have trusted my brain. Never. I've never met a person who's ever said that. But how many times have you said, I knew I should have trusted my gut? More times than you can. I was right. I knew it. I felt it. It was emotional. It was evocative. It was there. And yet, instead of trusting that thing, which effectively every single time you put your fate into the hands of another person, fate is using loosely here, obviously, there's always that moment, generally speaking, where you arrive at, oh, why didn't I just trust myself? Mm. I knew it. I knew it. I've known this person for 25 years. They mean well, but they don't know me because I'm always figuring out who I am. I'm always growing. So they know me in the present, not me in the future, which is the thing that I'm moving towards. So how could they possibly know that the decision I need to make is the right decision based on the information and data that they have when they only know me at 4%? And or so in the case of the waiter, they don't know you at all. They know you 0%, right? And yeah. so now you're in this really weird position in which you're trying to navigate the world based on other people's opinions of who it is that you should be and negating one truth. You trust your gut and you will never be wrong. I love that. Okay, so certainly that's that's one myth. And I'm so glad that you were able to kind of turn that around for us. What are some other myths that you are aware of related to this idea of codependency or just people's relationship with themselves and what they need to do differently? Yeah. I, you know, I think it all starts with clarity. Mm -hmm. If I told you to drive from New York City to LA 
and you had no roadmap, no GPS, no street signs, no highway markers, you wouldn't make it. Zero percent chance. There's no way. I mean, all right, maybe infinitesimally small zero 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 one percent, because I know you're listening, guy who just thought that. Um, and so the reality <laughs> is, like, as you go through this life, it's like clarity is a requirement. And the thing that people get confused on is around this element of self-care versus taking it easy on yourself. Mm. If you want something in life, there I have I have a, a framed quote from Tom Billu, one of my mentors on my bedroom wall. I read it every single day. It says the struggle is guaranteed, the success is not. So you might as well do something that you struggle with that brings you joy. Mm. And so when you have clarity around pushing through and persevering and pursuing your potential, and it's hard, which it will be. You'll be able to delineate whether or not you actually need to take care of yourself or are you taking it easy on yourself? Because taking it easy on yourself is how you end up where I was at 26 years old, 350 pounds, two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend, $50,000 in debt, had my car repoed. My little brother says, never talk to me again. You're not my brother. And it was the first time I attempted to delete myself. Mm. Why? Because I was taking it easy all the time, doing what other people told me, never being willing to say no, the fear of rejection, not going to the gym and eating well and taking care of my mental, leaving a job that I fucking hated. Right. And so we we think that we're doing the right thing, but with lack of clarity, you end up wherever the universe spins the wheel and says that's where you should be. And so when you get clarity, this really interesting thing happens. You have a direction to move towards, thus the likelihood of failure exponentially decreases. It's like in The Alchemist, there's a line that I, I read this line and it really, really changed my life. It's about 10 years ago. If you ever read The Alchemist, it's by Paulo Coelho. It's an incredible book. Uh, the line's very simple. The universe is conspiring in your favor. Mm. I believe that vehemently in all of me. I believe that. I've done shit where I'm like, damn, thanks, universe. I'm glad I did the 9,000 things that led me to this moment. Right. But in order, when you have clarity around life, you've been married for a very long time. You have an amazing career or you're building this phenomenal podcast. There are days you don't want to do this. Right. And you have to sit in that truth and go, okay, wait a second. Where am I really at today? This is burnout 101. Ask yourself this. Where am I truly at? And stop fucking lying to yourself and just tell yourself the truth. Where am I? I'm exhausted. The, the kids have been a nightmare. The bill collector called. I, I feel mentally on another planet. My body hurts. I've been battling this migraine all day. Um, you know, we, we got to go deal with all these other things. I'm in this really not great place at the moment. Okay, cool. Now, on the understanding of the that data, you ask yourself, with the decision that I'm about to make, am I taking care of myself or am I taking it easy on myself? Because realistically, it's a fine line. It's a razor's edge, right? You, you must know who you are in order for this to make sense. And to me, I look at that and I go, okay, there's space here for resiliency. And there's space here for self-care. There's also space for pushing through because you know that you have to do the thing in front of you to move towards your dreams. 
And there's no right or wrong. I'm not giving people advice here to help them figure out which direction to take in this moment other than ask yourself a question. Do I need to take care of myself or am I taking it easy because it's hard and life is difficult in this moment and I'm going into escapism and being avoidant and procrastinating? And look, that's a real hard, hard fucking conversation for people to have. And so when I started having that conversation with myself, two things happened. I radically changed and transformed my life because I realized that I was taking it easy on myself all the time by not pushing into the potential that I had the ability to pursue. And then I realized in the moments of taking care of myself, it was like, clear the calendar, cancel all my appointments. I'm going to the movies. It's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. Leave me alone. But only you can answer that question. And I'm not going to give you advice on how to do that other than what I just laid out. And it's, it's true that it's really a fine line. And that's where you have to listen to your gut because when you're tired, what does taking care of yourself actually look like? Right. For some people, they're like, I want to drink the Coke and I want to just like sit and watch Netflix. And sometimes that's self care, but sometimes it's not. That's why you can't lie to yourself. Because you can't do it all the time. You know, there's like these kind of gray zone area things that you could kind of get away with a little bit of the time. But if that becomes your go to self care, then you're just cheating yourself because self care is work. And when you're already tired, to think about another thing that's going to be work is mentally exhausting. So I get that. But you have to start with self-care. I think this is the biggest mistake that people make. They're like, well, I've already got all these other obligations. There's no time for exercise and meditation and yoga and all the things that I should be doing to take care of myself. If there was time, great, but I don't have that. And I always say, then you're doing it in reverse, right? Yeah. You're starting from the wrong place and should is a dangerous word because who gets to determine what i should do right me that's it should's hard. right we we live in the self-care society of people who all they do is self-care they don't get nothing done right <laughs> you know yeah all i do is self-care too much that's of it. a good thing right yeah yeah and you're like okay you got to figure this out you again that's why this honesty thing is so important like don't lie to yourself keep yeah. it real like keep it real with yourself because if you do that then you're never going to be in conflict. And if you get down that path where you're like, there's no time, show me your calendar. I dare you. Tell I me there's that. no time. Tell, show me your calendar. After you tell me there's no time, I will help you find it. I'll do it for free. Text me right now. That's so good. I love that. All right, Michael, what's the third myth you're going to debunk for us today? Yeah, you know, here's what's interesting. All this is really around this concept of expectation, right? If you think about this whole, everything that you do in this show, I think the crux of burnout is moving towards unrealistic expectation, right? Like okay. if I were really to bottle it up, I would go, people get burned out because they're moving towards things that they actually don't care about, love, or consider to be important in their life, but they do it because of codependent tendencies or societal impacts that tell them this is the thing that they should do. And so the expectations become unrealistic, thus they're unrealizable. And so we move towards something that's unrealizable. And in that, what happens is we're living a fallacy of humanity. We're like pretending that we're pursuing this thing that brings us joy and value and hope and all those things while simultaneously being like, why am I bothering doing this? And so, again, this comes to earlier point about clarity. It's like, all right, what are the actual expectations that I have about the person that I want to become? So I have this narrative that 
I don't know where it came from, but just one day it made sense to me. And I, I wrote down all my goals, everything that I want to create in my life. And I put the number 37 at the top. And so I was like, okay, I'm creating goals. It's arbitrary number. Let me be clear. It could be anything. But I, I came up with this concept of the 37-year goal plan. And effectively, what that meant is really it makes time obscure, right? Because 37 years from now, like that's a very, very, very long time. That's double the period of time I've been alive on planet Earth. And so I was like, all right, cool. Let me put all of my goals against this concept and idea of 37 years. And what that really equates to is an expectation of recognizing that because the number is actually arbitrary, it doesn't matter when I reach the goal as long as I reach the goal. And one of my biggest goals on planet Earth is to be a New York Times bestselling author. Have I had some bestselling books? Yeah, but not on the New York Times, right? And so I was like, okay, cool. So how do you do that? I don't know yet because obviously I would have done it. So we're on this path of pursuit towards that. And I, I realized one day, okay, what if when I'm 88 years old, I finally get the New York Times bestselling list and I die five minutes later? I still got the gold dead enough. But if I had the unrealistic expectation that I would be a New York Times bestselling author three months after writing my first book and no one on planet Earth knew my name, I'm going to burn myself out because I'm going to chase that so desperately hard, but it's unrealizable. And so when you have clarity about expectations and People will say, well, it's unrealistic to be like, I want to make $5 million a year and I want to have a million dollar house on the lake and I want to have the perfect marriage. It's like, no, it's not, but it all takes work. And if you confine yourself to a time frame, like I don't like smart goals. I think they're stupid. Again, I like to use that word a lot. Here's why, <laughs> here's why I think they're stupid. Because like, if you look at most of the things that we set out to accomplish in life, it takes exponentially longer to reach that goal than we originally thought. Because we underestimate. We Not only do we underestimate, but you don't have the skill yet. Right. Like, like people fail to understand that all the things that we create in life are built on skill and skill have these incredible utilities that help you catapult forward. Now, obviously, it also comes to like, just don't quit. And so if you just don't quit, eventually you can have the thing. But if you put so much freaking pressure on yourself, you're like, I'm going to have the number one podcast on planet Earth in seven months. And I've never, ever had a microphone in front of my face. You just set yourself up for major failure. But if you go, I want to have the number one podcast on planet Earth someday, and I'm willing to ride the ride as long as it takes to get to the end, you will win if you don't quit. But, you know, you gave the example of the New York Times bestseller. And kind of dying five minutes later. And so the question is, do you want to achieve that for it's just for that, right? Is that in and of itself what you want? Or do you want to achieve that in order to then get something else? Because sometimes people are like, I want to be a bestselling author so that I can be famous, so that I can have lots of coaching clients, so that I get speaking engagements, so that whatever, you know? So the question is, do you want this? solely for being that best-selling author? Or do you want this as a stepping stone into something else? I think that's an important distinction. That's such a great point. No one's ever brought that up. And I've said that 50,000 times. And here's what I will tell you about that. For me, it is about the accolade of making my dream come true. I don't care about the backside. 
I could get more clients. I could get famous. Who could, I don't care about that shit. I care about doing the thing I said I was going to do. Right. So it, it's, it's that simplified for me. Mm-hmm. It's the same way. Like when, um, when I do something as a physical challenge, for instance, I go, the outcome doesn't matter except for one thing. Did I do the thing I said I was going to do? So That's you're it. really big on following through. Ask any of my friends the number one trait that I have, and it's following through. And that's because a sign of boundaries and consistency. But also, it, it's deeper than that. I eliminate things that don't matter. Yeah. Take out all the things. I don't know what the Netflix show that's hot right now. I have no idea. Right. Like, I, I don't know what's happening in the world. I don't know. And maybe that's irresponsible. Like I'm like, fine. Like, okay, fine. That's how I choose to move about the world. But I'm not consumed with things that don't move me towards my goals. My entire life is structured around the life that I want to create. Why? Because I'm the person that matters the most. Right. And, and that's an important, that's a really important message because I think sometimes people don't think in those terms that they have the permission to not have to know everything and be everywhere all the time. And that you can make a decision not to watch the news and not to be on Facebook and not to be consumed with these things if they don't matter to you just because everybody else is doing it i remember hearing someone said on stage once i was listening they were going they used to call it television program because when you watch it you're being programmed Mm. and i stopped watching tv after that i was like such a good (laughs) point i mean i'll watch a movie on the occasion and stuff like that but i don't watch television i don't watch the news I, I watched the national championship basketball game the other day. And the whole time I was like, man, there's so much indoctrination in these commercials. I don't know yes. why people are doing this every day to themselves. You know, so you, again, a, a lot of this is about clarity and boundaries and, and understanding who you are and who you want to become and, 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 and understanding like your dreams aren't everybody else. Most people don't want to be in New York Times bestselling author. Most people don't want to speak on stage in front of 25,000 people. Great. I do. What do you want? What do you want? Because what I do has nothing to do with you. Exactly. And that's totally legit, right? That we each have our own separate dreams and goals, and we don't have to be like the person next to us. So it's really about, again, listening to your gut, as you said in the beginning, trusting yourself to make good decisions, recognizing that whatever is suitable for you may not be suitable for someone else, and that if somebody else is asking something of you that you follow through with that if it also feeds your soul in some way shape or form so and be okay saying no like so yeah. i think that's the most important thing say no yeah it's fine michael you have shared so much wisdom today i mean you blew my socks off i can only imagine what our listeners are feeling right now so if somebody is hearing this and they want more of you, where should they go? I would challenge them to ask if they even want my opinion. <laughs> and assuming they say yes. And assuming they say yes, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. And of course, we have the Think Unbroken podcast. If you go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com or just check out Think Unbroken podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Love it. All right. Well, we will share all of your links in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for being here and really sharing these amazing tips and mindset strategies for people to think about how to live their life 
really, as you say, unbroken. Yeah. As an honor, my friend, those are super fun. Thank you very much. Of course. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to be doing that's different based on what you heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.